VPN on my computer that I pay for. Yeah. That private internet access VPN. Yeah. I just connect to that, and it lets me get to my Plex server. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. All right, John. I'm so sorry. How's it going, John. boss? No, it's been the tech talk has been great. Yeah. Do you have to make an account for it too? Hey, 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 that's enough of that shit. You don't have to, to create it, but I recommend making hey, it so that you log in and hey, you can share me your that's library, enough. and no, then I can that's give enough. you mine. That's okay. enough, guys. That's right. When Steve said, hey, John, that was that enacted, <laughs> that enacted an end to uh, the uh, seven years of tech talk that we've had I'm already so recorded, sorry. and a beginning to episode 137. I always, I always want to watch Ronald's face when you say the number. Because <laughs> he's just always so surprised yes, that it goes I'm up always, by one. Yeah, episode 137 always. of Movie Schmovie. We should just intentionally skip an episode, like go up by four one time. Yeah. And be like, does that say, well, one, test him to see if he knows what we're talking about. <laughs> Ronald will think he's become unstuck in time. <laughs> Sci-fi is happening to me. Yeah, it's happening. <laughs> Tom Cruise was telling the truth. Uh, yeah, so episode 137. I'm John. I'm Steve. I'm Ron. And uh, this is going to be a fun episode. Like, it's, yeah, an, an I don't know whose idea was this. Well, it's a combination of a little tag team action. Like Ronald had this idea a while ago about doing kind of a almost. You were calling it like a like time to shit on this movie. Yeah. Like stop shitting on this movie. Start shitting on this movie. And I think that one day we may do something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's a good but, idea itself. But the, that idea of taking a big movie, basically, yeah. whether it's because people love it or because it's popular or because it's part of the zeitgeist, but just taking a popular movie and sort of swapping it out for right. another movie. And I, whether that's a recommended if you like, if you like that movie, you'll like this. Or if you like that movie, you should stop liking it and start liking this. Or yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you guys have any interesting choices on your list. I, I have to say I had a little fun uh with this one because we decided to confine it to movies of summer 2015 so we're going to look at big releases of the summer and we're going to suggest just in case you feel like you've seen a lot of hype and a lot of ads and a lot of crap about a lot of these movies coming out we're sort of sick of them before they come out sometimes right so if you don't want to see one of these big tentpole summer films we're here to suggest a few alternatives perhaps right uh, and I don't know if you, like, in all cases, were you thinking of a movie that you personally like better than the movie that you're swapping out? Or did you just think of it as as an alternative? I personally took it as I'm giving you something better. Okay. So, and some of the movies that I selected this summer have come out some, actually, no, all of my picks have come out, actually. I, I had one that I was going to mention that hasn't, but I figured I'd give it the benefit of the doubt. Because I'm kind of going with a... I didn't like this movie as much, or I feel like there's something superior and there's some tie-in that I can link it to, you know, the film that came out this summer. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the oldest film that I picked as my swap is, I think, maybe the oldest movie is 2006. So it's not it's crazy out there, old, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, but that's kind of how I approached it. What about you, Ronald? Were you thinking like, were you thinking as before, uh, screw this movie, I want to swap it out with something better? Or were you thinking just, here's another movie that might hit the same spot as the, the movie that you're swapping out? A combination of both. Mm -hmm. like, screw this movie, and I have a healthy alternative that won't make you quite feel quite as empty. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Kind of kind of a combination of both. So. Did you feel pretty good once you started thinking about it? Was it pretty obvious to you? I noticed you were very quick to name the movies that you wanted to swap out. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's almost like I almost felt like you were like calling dibs on it. Yeah, and I was like, I know, was. I couldn't find the right facial uh, emoticon in Facebook Messenger <laughs> to show you. Like, dang it, Ronald. Especially dang one, one oh, you, in you were maybe gonna choose one of those. Oh, I wrote. Yeah, I wrote back no. that actually I was gonna yeah. choose one, and, and he, I still did. And I think we but had I, the same but alternative. I, but I intentionally knew the alternative that you picked, so I got a different alternative. <laughs> See, so you're gonna luck out. You got two That's alternatives fine. to this film. I guarantee. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, I played the Ronald part today of not being able to keep up with all the Facebook messages. Oh, really? I was busy with something else <laughs> through the evening, and it's like, I was very lucky to be free, like, right around the time you guys got here. But um, yeah, We were concerned. We were knocking yeah, I know. doorbell, yeah, yeah. no John. Like, Uh-oh. Uh -oh. If you don't notice a funny smell, I'm probably fine. <laughs> and if you do notice a funny smell, I could still be you fine. You could still be fine. Yeah, yeah but yeah. There, it depends on the smell. But, um, oh, well, I don't know. I mean, who, who feels most confident in their choice to maybe jump off the list? Because I, I, I felt it was after you guys were like... What, how are we doing this? And I sort of said, well, we should confine it to summer 2015. And I think we should all have different films. You know, I, I had all these ideas about how the episode should be put together. But I did not. Um, I realized when I stopped messaging <clears throat> when I stopped messaging you guys, I realized I didn't really have a lot of very <laughs> obvious picks for the list. So that is why I kind of went off in, in a different direction and, and had a little bit of fun. So maybe okay. I'll get started. Yeah, go for it. Um, one of the movies that I started to think about 
just in relation to this summer, I started thinking about that tentpole phenomenon of a movie that's very exciting and that there's a lot of hype about it, whether you want to see it or not. Uh, and then the movie, there's like a there's like a definite you can feel the the, the public opinion towards that film. And I, I think that this year, a big movie that kind of, even though it made a lot of money, kind of turned out to be not as exciting to as terms of mobilizing a fan base as a lot of people might have expected yeah. was Avengers sure. Age of Ultron. Sure. And I started thinking about, even though I enjoyed the film a lot, like why did audiences not respond well <laughs> to this movie? And I think it was a lot of the stuff that I thought it did well and interestingly, like juggling all the different characters. I think a lot of that stuff is maybe more interesting in general to a person that is sort of on board for the, the comic bookiness of it yeah. all. And that the, the casual moviegoer is maybe not as interested in following all those different characters and more interested in following like a specific story right. oh, okay. through, a, through a specific story. And so I started thinking what superhero films are maybe a little unsung that do that. And I uh, found myself thinking back to Darkman from 1990. Wow. Okay. So I would say swap out Avengers Age of Ultron for Sam Raimi's Darkman. It's a movie that combines elements of uh, like a superhero film of that time, yeah, meaning that it was yeah. before the era of all the effects that they have now. And it was also sort of in the spirit of a universal monster movie, where, yeah. where the hero of the film is a character who is sort of a monster. And, you know, so Peyton Westlake, the character played by Liam Neeson, which is also, it's great that Liam Neeson became this huge, reputable star. Yeah. And for a while there, it was interesting that he had a movie like Darkman on his resume. But now I think that Liam Neeson of today, it uh, like Darkman fits in perfectly, perfectly. with the oh, type yeah. of movies he's been doing for the last 10 years. Definitely. I almost think now it's time for him to, now that he's passed the sort of Oscar phase of his career, mm. I think Darkman 2 would get me as excited <laughs> as go. any announcement. <laughs> but the premise is he's a guy who was horribly burned in a fire and he's a scientist and, you know, they're always burning scientists in these films. He's developing a synthetic skin to help, like, burn victims and people who've had acid wounds and things like that that only lasts for about an hour and a half. And so after he is then burned, he uses this to reconstruct his face, and he can look like anybody, but he has to get back to his lair within an hour and a half. And yeah. that creates some pretty funny scenes where wow. he's trying to get home before his face melts, and there's a few kind of dramatic scenes that are pretty much equally played for for thrills as for laughs. I think it's a... it's. Really, it's the movie that Sam Raimi made right on the heels of um, Evil Dead 2, I believe. So it's kind of the height of sort of industry expectations around him as kind of a new filmmaker, but also he got a little bit of money. Now, it really is a little bit of money by today's standards. It was a $16 million budget, which was not bad for 1990, and it made about three times that. So it was enough of a hit, and you can kind of see how it was one of those foot-in-the-door moments for Sam Raimi as a big Hollywood filmmaker. And I still think uh, one of the scenes from it where Liam Neeson is with Frances McDormand at a fair, and he's, uh, you know, trying to win her the elephant with, the, I guess it's like a rifle game. Yeah. And it's one of those rigged games that's not really going to work, but, you know, he manages to make it work. And he's, in a very just enraged moment, he turns to Frances McDormand, who's getting kind of freaked out by how intense he's gotten. Mm. And she doesn't really care that much about getting the stuffed elephant anymore. And he wins it for her, and he turns to her and he says, Take the fucking elephant! <laughs> it's a hilarious moment that I think about all the time. And so, yes, Dark Man from 1990. Uh, I feel like, lately, when it comes to this director, people have been eating Crow when it comes to watching his movies. I'm referring to Cameron Crow. <laughs> <laughs> I like what you did there. That's good. Yeah, yeah see? Yeah, good. Uh, so I feel like you were expecting more from us in terms of reaction. Well, I'm not sure. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not sure down. what your point is. If because you know eating crow. If we're eating crow, it means that we're like embarrassed and ashamed. Yeah. So you think ashamed of his movies if you follow him. <laughs> he okay. would be, he, he's that. eating crow. Yeah. We're all eating crow. <laughs> yeah. I think watching his movies, you we're get embarrassed, embarrassed for him. him. Yeah. For yeah. him. Yeah. Okay. Eating crow. But it's not our fault. No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, is it? Maybe we've been giving him too much money. I don't know. His last couple of movies haven't done so well. Right? I'm know. still not sure we're using Eating Crow right, <laughs> but I, I, I don't want to. I don't. Let's let's not make this segue fall apart. You you were you were working towards something here. All right. So uh, his latest release, Aloha, um, a a white woman playing a Asian American, uh, and Bradley Cooper playing a defense gentleman of some sort. I don't really know. Uh, universally panned, considered a shitty movie. So I have a healthy alternative for you. You go back in his catalog, and I think a healthy alternative to that movie is Almost Famous. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my, you know, I really enjoyed it. It's it's a great story. It's it's fun. It's sad. Has a lot of cool lines in it, and is actually a good cast. Just like Aloha had a good cast, except this movie is good. 
So I don't know, man. I I I think that it's a little better than good. Yeah, it's a, it's incredible. I it's mean, a little let's, better let's than be good. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, if I feel like <coughs> I don't want to talk it up, and then you watch it, and then somebody watches it, and it's like, well, it's not that good. But it is. It really is. We've that talked good. about it many times on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's nothing that. I wouldn't shy away from. Well, I just mean that, like the general listener, the, okay. the listeners. Okay. Okay. You know, we. I, I. I. It's a highly regarded movie in my head, but you know, I don't want to pump it up too much, and then they go see it and they're like, eh. but it is that good. And when Aloha came out, it was it was not only those uh, those weird casting decisions and just the general lukewarm reception to it, but the lead up to it was, you know, a lot of the stuff uh, that was leaked about the film in the Sony leaks, the email leaks, where you were not just hearing what the studio thought of the film, but hearing Cameron Crowe uh, say some things that really made him seem like more of a, I don't know, more of a bullshit Hollywood insider type and less of maybe the the guy that we thought he was, or at least I personally Mm. thought he was. I don't know if you read that stuff, Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just no. the, that, that kind of yeah, talking about yeah. actors behind their back and yeah. stuff. Seemed, I mean, that, I'm sure it goes on all the time, but it did really kind of put a stink on this film somehow. Yeah, I think also just the points that came out between... On the Aloha, Sony's, by the way, is what I'm talking right, about. Right, yeah, yeah. Famous, We're right. talking between the, the, the Sony executive leaks uh, about Aloha, mm-hmm. about the testing of the movie, and like just basically that it was... Hor- like they were saying like that it was horrible. Mm-hmm. That it's not a way... There's no way to save the movie. We've got to just put it out fulfill a du- you know a duty to release this film and um i remember I, I haven't seen this film but i remember that that sony leak they're talking just about like is he is he divorced in the movie or did he cheat on her in the movie or something like that he cheated on on, on yeah. rachel mcadams yeah um they're just saying like that the test audience just like hate that don't like his character like there's mm. no like you know connection to the characters like there is in most Cameron Crowe movies, like yeah. there's always a fault to them, but I mean, uh, or there's usually a fault to them, but there's a likability that still make you root for them. I don't know. I just remember that standing out to me with, with those Sony hacks. Like Amy, I think Amy Pascal like said something like to that effect oh. that like people just can't stand the characters in this movie. Jeez. I don't know. I haven't seen it personally. I, I, I'll, I, I definitely have to check it out still. Cause I just got to see it. Cause I don't know. I'm just kind of curious now, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Maybe Maybe I'll just go back and watch Almost Famous instead of yeah, something. Yeah, right. Sounds like a Swap it out. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, what are we calling this episode? I don't know that we fully decided. Oh, I don't know. You said like the, the, the great summer swap out or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Like, that sounds fun. I don't know. The, the, like, the great summer swap out of 2015. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, it sounds legendary. Yeah, like it does. Like, it's gone down through generations. Yes. You know, like, I like that. I'm like, I need to say it like, the great summer swap out of 2015 <laughs> yeah. with like reverb and everything. That works, you know? totally. All right. So, um, yes. Okay, cool. should have should have covered that at the top of the episode, but but you flipped it in there. Loosey like goosey, dude. Um, okay, my first mention is gonna be I'm gonna hold off on one until Ronald brings it up. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. I'm gonna I'm gonna um, suggest uh, San Andreas, the new film uh, starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson, <laughs> uh, who I am a fan of. Same. I'm not gonna deny that at all. I think he's extremely likable, charismatic, and a pretty good actor. Um, so. Yeah, the the movie there's there's a lot about the movie that should work for being like that just huge disaster flick, but there's so many bad things about this movie. I mean, there's a couple scenes that are pretty cool, like just visually, some of the visual effects work really well, but the fact that like Paul Giamatti's in it, and um, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing anymore, is a part of what bothers me about <sighs> this movie. Is that like I used I love Paul Giamatti, but me I too. feel like the fact that he's popping up in like all these random ass movies is weird to me. And like his role in this movie is very weird to me. He's the, he's the scientist who predicts the earthquakes or whatever. But, um, so my, my, my recommendation, um, in place of, uh, San Andreas is to actually go back to, um, 1996. Actually, this is, there's an older film in 2000. I forgot this mm-hmm. came out in the nineties and to go with, uh, uh, Jan de Bont's, is Jan de Bont or Jean? I don't know if it's Han, Jan, Jan, Jan de Bont. I don't know. Uh, Twister. Yeah. Um, which I'm a huge fan of. And we were just talking about Universal Studios earlier today, Ronald. And I think that's one of the few attractions that are still, it's still at Universal is the Twister spectacle. That was really fun. Um, which is a cool attraction. But yeah. I think the movie itself is even better. Um, but um, I think the the tie that I'm the reason that makes me think about this movie. You could really also pick any Roland Emmerich movie to to recommend instead of San Andreas. But the thread that I think that they kind of borrow is this idea of like bringing two separated characters back together. So whether it's a father daughter or a husband wife who's been separated mm. or whatever, um, 
these movies all have that somewhere in them, which is like why you care about the lead character succeeding at something besides saving the world. There's something else at stake, which is mm-hmm. like this relationship that either has to be repaired or has to be forgiven or whatever it might be. But, um, you could take the earthquakes and swap them for t- tornadoes. But I just feel like the relationship between uh, Bill Pullman and uh, Helen Hunt in this movie, you really buy that for the <clears throat> buy that for them. It's got the characters in it that you hate so much. You kind of wish they just got sucked up in the tornado and, and bad things to happen to. Um, and the, and the other thing is, is that like the, the key crux of the science part is the idea that is that they're like really trying to get to the point where they can predict these disasters, mm. which is similar in San Andreas, except it's done to much better effect in Twister. Um, and you can usually catch Twister on TV a lot. So you don't have to go online if you don't like the computer because it's usually on TV. But, uh, what do you guys think about Twister? How do you, do you have any feelings about it? Hate it? Like it? Love it? Either? Did you have something? Have you ever seen it? I uh, yeah, but I don't remember. I don't remember hating it. Um, I remember yeah. it coming on TNT a lot. Yeah, and watching it, it still does. a bunch. Yeah. Like watching <laughs> a bunch and thinking this is. It was a fun ride. I I think that any movie where I'm I'm, I'm <clears throat> kind of invested in the people involved, even a little bit, I, I I tend to like, especially in a movie that's should by default have me not care for them, just because it's you know just people thrown into this situation and. I thought it was cool. I, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty pretty okay. fun to watch. And it was a pretty darn big hit, right? Oh, it's huge. Yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know the box office on it. I just know that it was in theaters for a long time that that year, and uh, the fact that it's still not that really that that really is what matters, but it's kind of cool that it's still at a theme park. They, you know, it's not a ride at Universal, but it's more of like a presentation of how they simulate the practical effects in it. Oh, okay, you know, like how they have this floors drop out and things like that and the cars flying and the cow you know things like that are kind of it's kind of slick to see and be, you, you kind of get in the, you're kind of in the middle of it sort of mm-hmm. so it's kind of cool to be able to i think that that also allows me to attach myself to the movie a little more positively is the fact that that theme park ride is so cool also but i mean it's built off of the film so i mean it's got the iconic scenes in the from the movie like where the cow's flying and you know mm-hmm. the dorothy opens up and the little balls fly out of it it's kind of cool thing and uh I don't know. I just I've always I've always really enjoyed Twister, and I, I every time I go back to it, I I always find myself watching it still, like through the film. But mm. yeah, so yeah. And you know that said, I will say San Andreas is not like the worst thing I've ever seen. It's it's <laughs> it's just that dumb roller right. coaster. Like it's you just want to see how they come up with like how's the world going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like that's kind of all it is. But you're right. You don't connect to any of the characters. Like they're absolutely safe you know like there are points where you're like oh my gosh you're gonna fall nope 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 she's not gonna fall <laughs> she's good the rock is nearby she's good you know things like that but so my impression in that i not having seen it he's some kind of rescue worker right he's like a, a fire rescue like heli- helipad uh so helicopter does, does he spend the whole movie trying to rescue his daughter and his wife and his, and, wife? his ex-wife and daughter okay yeah and the and the world uh, or the and the coast of so California. He, does he save a lot of other people or mostly yeah, just um, a lot of people? Yeah, okay, good. a lot of people. Okay, Do people get smashed in it? Is that a lot of that? Yeah, there's actually. I mean, some of the destruction scenes are actually pretty cool. I actually sat through it the other day, and I don't know. I just it's fun, mm-hmm. but there's better fun out there. I think yeah. you know what I mean. But it's it's check it out. Okay. Number two. <laughs> <laughs> What do you got? I wonder how long we could just just do that <laughs> with each other. Probably for let's do a whole episode where all we do is it'll be the, it'll be the highest downloaded episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that'd be so sad if it were. Yeah. I, I finally clicked with this this podcast, guys. It was the first time ever I could listen to an entire one. Um, so, uh, you know, my next one is one. This was a movie that I was very excited about and that I did think was good, but that you'll, you'll be able to tell probably when i talked about it last time that it wasn't it didn't blow me away and i'm talking about the nightmare the rodney asher documentary i haven't seen it yet again good but just not what i was expecting and it got me to thinking about and just for anyone that didn't hear the most recent episode or hear us talking about it before this the nightmare is a documentary about sleep paralysis told from the point of view of people who suffer from sleep paralysis Mm. and so you're hearing first-hand accounts and that's what the movie is right but it's you know it's supposed to be a scary documentary or it was sold and all the advanced previews depicted it as an extremely scary documentary and since it didn't really scare me that much i tried to think about what movies fit that description that 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 i do really like you know a documentary that would have scared me 
and I went to a film. We may have talked about it on the show before. I honestly don't know if we have, but it's a 2009 documentary uh, written and directed by Joshua Zaman and Barbara Brenaccio. It's Cropsy. Oh, yeah. Did you ever see Cropsy? I've watched that many times. It's Did on you Netflix. ever see Cropsy, Ronald? No. Uh, is, is it still on Netflix? It I, is. Okay, because yeah. I, I wanted to find movies that would be, like, yeah, it looks like it's available at least. There's a... We d- a I, yeah, I just watched it like three weeks ago. Okay, again. so... It's, it's, it's on there. If it's on Netflix, it's also on Amazon uh, that you can watch with your if you're an Amazon Prime, Prime member. Membership. And then uh, Vudu and iTunes both have it as a two ninety nine rental. It's a really... Just, I still think about it all the time. Uh, just the the kind of scares that it, that it indicates are, are just that kind of thing... Another movie I considered to swap out for The Nightmare is another scary documentary is Who Took Johnny that we saw. And Who Took Johnny is scary in a similar way to Cropsey, just in that there's a real-life set of circumstances that feed into a kind of almost folkloric sort of evil, you know. And in Who Took Johnny, it's much more connected to a specific case of abduction and potential human trafficking and the way the movie makes you think this sounds crazy and then kind of shows you some, some things that make it seem not so crazy. And then Cropsey does a different thing. It starts with sort of an urban legend and then shows you the background to where this urban legend may have come from and the kind of things that have happened in real life to sort of buttress this urban legend. And, and you know, there's an insane asylum that is closed down and, and the, the inmates are turned out basically into the world, which includes just the wilderness around the facility that they were in. And so there's evidence that maybe some former inmates from this asylum that's been closed down are, are kind of hanging around the premises and maybe living in a system of tunnels or it's really kind of unclear what's going on there, but yeah. there definitely seems to be a community of people living in the, the, you know, living under and near the old facilities. And it may have been people that used to go there or used to live there. And then when they were turned away, like, what did they do? They had nowhere to go. No families. A lot of these people, they would wander back to this place. It's all very much on the, on the edge of being just kind of whispered and implied, and they don't find a whole lot of direct evidence. But the way this movie takes this subject of the director saying this is a story he heard when he was a kid growing up in New Jersey, I believe, or New York, Wikipedia tells us that the name Cropsey has nebulous origins, uh, but at the time of the kidnappings depicted in the documentary, Cropsey had come to be New York vernacular for any psychotically violent criminal. Mm. So this name Cropsey was used, associated with these these kidnappings, these disappearances, and, and it, you know, it's the kind of thing where the kidnappings that occurred were connected to urban legend, which then became a thing that was connected to the possibility of there actually being some physically damaged people lurking around this closed-down asylum. It has all the elements of a really scary horror film, except it's all true, or at least the facts behind the story are true. The one guy went to jail. Right. But I don't know that it ever was really believed that he um, that, that he truly committed anything as opposed to him being, like, a face to attribute to the crime so that the right. community, like, felt safe. And yeah. he fit most of the, you know, he kind of was an easy... And I don't know, like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know that I believe he. His name was Andre something, like yeah. that. I believe that he was actually responsible for some of the missing children, but can't remember his name. Andre Rand. Rand. Yep. Um, it's like it balances that. Like, there's a legend. There's a scary thing going on. Do you leave it be that legend that just haunts you, or do you put a face on it and like close the book on it so that mm-hmm. it doesn't, you know, perpetuate through generations or whatnot? Right. Kind of like the Great Summer Swap Out of 2015. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. But uh, no, I, I I love this documentary. It's like a no nobody knew about this documentary. Yeah. It's a perfect example of one that found a life and has like continued momentum by being on Netflix. I mean, like this is one of the first movies I ever watched when I got a Netflix account, mm. and uh, and I know like all my friends have watched it, and mm. and the and the guy that the, the 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 duo that produced and directed it, they have another series on Netflix where they kind of go around and um explore similar legends around different areas of the mm-hmm. country um i forget what that series is called though but it might be called like american monsters or something like okay that. that sounds familiar but i've seen it before and like the recommended since you like cropsy yeah. and but uh, yeah awesome documentary yeah does the legend go away just because you have the facts right the story kind of indicates that maybe even if you do have the facts connected to something like that that once you have that kind of urban legend it's never really going to go away mm. if i felt like watching a horror film i would consider cropsy to be like a story that creeps yeah. me out but that i haven't i don't feel like i'm burned out on it yet you know what i mean like the all the elements that fit together it's a lot of it hits a lot of my sweet spots yeah exactly i was gonna say like it's got like the whole urban legend scariness to it but then it's also got the missing kids mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, there's the a, sadness of the mistreatment of these people in exactly, the asylum, exactly. and, the real, and it even and crossed, even the mystery, like even the courtroom stuff, is intriguing. Yeah. And the way the documentary kind of laces it between mm-hmm. these things, um, yeah, no, good stuff, good, good pick. So yeah, Cropsey from 2009. It was basically released right onto the internet, so there's no, uh, yeah, no budget or or uh, or gross information for this. But I do think it's a film that has. I feel like I, I've seen it pop up a few times on lists. It's one of those movies that does seem to live on. And I think what happens is horror buffs uh, seem yeah. to be pinpointing it as a as one of those few scary documentaries out there. So it does have a little bit of a reputation, but I think it could still still get that schmoovie bump, yo. Yo. Actually, the other one that I'm thinking of, it's not a series. It's on there also on Prime Instant, and I think it's also on Netflix. It's called Killer Legends. It's from the guy that did, the, the duo that did Cropsey. Mm-hmm. You can check that out too. We'll check it out. Yes, sir. Renewed. Okay, so um, I I like this movie sorta. <laughs> it was very mediocre, kind of in between, um, and it was Entourage. So Entourage came out this summer. Didn't do quite as well as people thought. It was it was. Did people the... think it was going to be big? I, I, I was so, very man. confused by. I I saw it and I, I actually had fun with it too. I, I really liked too. the show, but I feel like I apologize for some of the stuff that like people don't like <laughs> yeah, about it because yeah. I liked the show back when the show was really good. Yeah, it was. It's still. But it's weird to me because like I don't feel like I don't I don't know I I definitely. In most cases, I'm like usually okay with like tapping into like the nostalgia of something, or mm-hmm. it's not even that far removed from being off the air. But it's like going back to the well. When they said they're making a movie, I just I don't know. I wasn't sold on the idea that people actually wanted to see an entourage movie i felt the same way you know like well it's 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 definitely a follow-up in that sense to uh sex in the city as far as that transition from a particular kind of show so funny you say that that has is that what you want to swap it out for entourage is sex in the city (laughs) i I think that people but i just mean like the way that sex in the city had a huge success when it came out in theaters there was a bit of a groundswell behind it and you felt like there was something going on culturally i mean i never really liked that show nor did i think it the movies looked very good but but I do remember it being kind of a big deal when the Sex and the City movie came out, yeah. and I think when Entourage movie, when the Entourage movie came out, it was just like, oh, this just shows you what Entourage always was, which it ne- it was like the male Sex and the City, or Sex and the City for Bros, but it never quite like captured the sort of like there was a time when there was like a a female sensibility that was really captured and and distilled on Sex and the City. I knew a lot of young women who identified yeah. with the characters on yeah. that show. I'm, I'm, I mean, I know some people that are fans of Entourage, but I've never known anyone who identified that strongly with that show. So I kind of feel like Entourage is like the stunted shadow version of, of what happened with Sex and the City because yeah. that went on to great success in the theater. And it was actually like a big, at the time, a big mark of, look, a, a female-driven film for, you know, that's basically marketed towards women is going to be a great success. And we've seen that happen several times since then. But I feel like Entourage just, it, it was the opposite. It came out and it kind of felt like a wet fart in, as far as how it arrived in theaters. Oh, not, yeah. I'm not talking about the quality of the film, having not seen it. But it just seemed like there wasn't a lot of excitement and there wasn't a lot of zeitgeist. And it made me think of how the show kind of just trickled off into the sunset as well. I don't know. It just seems like an odd thing that it ever became a movie. Yeah. But you, you maybe you, you said you thought that people were anticipating it. So maybe I think people were. I mean... Maybe people were. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> now that I see what happened after it came right out, here. I don't know. I kind of wish it was straight to HBO. Like I think it would have done a lot better. Like like they did like the Hello Ladies movie, yeah. like a cool. show, so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't feel like I ever identify with any characters on charge. I feel like you just totally are just in, like, like living vicariously through like how excessive and crazy that yeah. world is. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's no relationship. It's like whatsoever. an admiration on some level, but yeah. like really too. I, well, I think that at its best, it felt like you were seeing somebody tweaking behind the scenes Hollywood shit that you didn't really get to see otherwise. Right. You know? right that was right. what I used to enjoy about it. But I think we all said when you guys talked about this movie in the last episode, uh, that Ari was the, the, the best part of the movie, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought so. For sure. Um, so the movie kind of centers on him more. So we've talked about what movie you're swapping out, but I don't think you've told us what movie takes its place. So this movie is totally different, <coughs> but it does capture a camaraderie that I really like. Camaraderie? Camaraderie. It's called uh, Movie Movie. Dazed and Confused. <clears throat> oh, yeah. The, so I think that I think that Entourage, really, I think the chemistry between them is a thing, right? But when you see a movie that feels very together in in the way that that movie felt, 
it had all these moving parts that, you know, these different worlds kind of mashed up into this, you know, all these different groups of people. It's something about that combination of things and then the humor and uh, Matthew McConaughey being amazing. Mm -hmm. It's something really nice about how that movie made me feel in the end. And Entourage, you know, I felt good about it just because I, I I saw a continuation, but there, so I felt like the things that they try to fake, sort of they try to make happen. Yeah, I see really happening in Days and Confused, and I really I really enjoy the movie. So, well, yeah, I mean Richard Linklater is like that's one of his that's one of his best efforts in my mind because it's got such a a the cast is incredible. When mm, you look yeah. at who's in it now. Yeah. And then you also just have that. I like that kind of. It's almost like the opposite of Entourage in that way, in that it's a it's a fly on the wall. You're seeing a cross section of a lot of different groups, and there's yeah. no clear like chosen people in this in this crowd. We're seeing people that are cool, that are uncool, that are going to have a good night, that are going to have a bad night. There's some yeah. kind of leadish characters, but in general, it was such a big ensemble. And I think Entourage takes almost like it's such a it's such a fantasy yeah. that. They don't feel like real people. They don't feel like real people, whereas yeah. Dazed and Confused felt very relatable, even though I was not, you know, I didn't go to school in Texas in the 70s, but it still felt like I could kind of understand those, even those like weird rituals, like the the way the kids were getting paddled on the last day of school or whatever, like that yeah. never happened. That never, you know, that wasn't something that was part of my childhood, but I totally felt that, that as like the driving force of like this day that everyone's having. I thought that that, that kind of thing really felt very well observed. And yeah. I mean, he's made great movies since then. But that might be one Boyhood. of my... Boyhood being one See, I didn't see Boyhood, but I love Bernie. So I, <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I Bernie know. Great, yeah. I'm a big Linklater supporter, even if I don't you know, love every one of his movies. But Dazed and Confused was like a statement, I think. So. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, my second pick is going to be this summer's Poltergeist remake, mm -hmm. um, which I was not a big fan of. But <laughs> I have been a big fan of the director in the past. So I'd like to nominate Gil Keenan's nah, 2006 animated feature monster house <laughs> so monster house uh the tie-in is obviously the director for me but also it's about a house that has some sort of haunting spirit thing going down yeah um have you guys ever seen monster house I you know, know i haven't but Was i feel like the... in the last few months i've heard several recommendations several reasons people have said check it out it's actually better than you might have thought or yeah. whatever so you know and, and that, that's that's what i would say about monster house. i saw it, it in 3d and i really really liked it yeah it came out in in in, in the summer of 2006 um i feel like sony maybe thought they had a hit on their hands but i think it was way better than most people thought it was going to yeah. be it was nominated for an oscar that year it mm -hmm. lost to um happy feet uh <laughs> and uh i think cars was also nominated that year but just a really fun, uh, a, an animated film that has a lot of jokes that appeal to adults, mm -hmm. teens and adults. Um, really good looking film, but also an awesome balance of also being sort of scary. That's that's what I keep hearing. Like, is that there's a nice atmosphere to the whole movie. Almost like, I feel like we've maybe talked about this before, but like um, The Burbs. Oh, yeah. Like it's mm. got that vibe. <clears throat> it's got that vibe to it. Where or something. Well, we. What, what I always. Excuse me. <coughs> what I always love about the burbs when it comes up. What I, I always feel like I have to point out is just what makes that movie great is that something's really going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's and not that's, something that's all in the imagination of a kid. It's not all about don't be suspicious of people. Yep. Find out what yep. they're really like. <laughs> yep. Yep. Everything's gonna be okay. It's. It's. There's some really serious sinister shit going on. Yeah. And everything I hear about Monster House sounds like it's the, just the, like that horror side of the story is played played straight to some extent it is you're right it is and the fun thing about it is that like characters aren't safe mm -hmm. yeah. you know there are like police officers in the movie that like get eaten by the house you know like <laughs> shit, shit happens and you're just like oh shit like they just got yeah. eaten Man, i really like that movie um it's a really fun movie awesome voice cast any movie where a <clears throat> cop gets eaten we're fans of it here steve buscemi maggie gyllenhaal kevin james uh john heater jason lee Catherine o'hara kathleen turner Fred Willard. I mean, awesome, awesome yeah. people in this movie. And it's really funny. And it's that really delicate balance of also being kind of scary enough that you're like, this isn't some, like, fun... I mean, it definitely still appeals to kids, but it, it's on that level of, mm -hmm. like, this could scare kids. And I love that about it. Yeah. And it's funny, and it's it's, it's got, like, you know, it's got a sweet ending, too. Um, so, Monster House, couldn't recommend it enough. And, you know, I don't know a lot about Gil Keenan. I just remember... He worked very co closely with Zemeckis and Spielberg when this came out. I remember hearing his name so much about like he was going to be this big director. <clears throat> I don't know what he's done between then and, and, and Poltergeist. I know he's done a handful of movies, but um, I just remember loving uh, 
Monster House, and I and I it's a movie that I that I own, and I feel like I always like like I love throwing horror movies on at night mm-hmm. when I go to bed, and and Aaron hates it. But I feel like that's one that I can throw on that's like safe enough where I can get creeped out enough by it that it's <laughs> funny though. It's like a little you know, mm. it's like a, it's just a like safe bet to put on, and uh, big fan. So yeah, Monster House definitely see that instead of Poltergeist. <laughs> <laughs> see a cartoon instead of watching. It. Yeah, yeah. Poor so shit. that's it. Well, my final pick uh, for the great summer swap <clears throat> out of oh the great swap out of summer 2015. There you go. Or is it the great summer swap out? Of we had said summer swap out before. The great summer swap out of 2015. <laughs> my final selection. This is the one that I I, I don't know. I made myself <clears throat> laugh with this one, but I don't even know what I'm really doing here except to say that some some movies you kind of need to be reminded of what else is out there. And I just think <laughs> right now America has been swept off their feet. By a decent, but in my mind, not... I mean, like, the amount of money that Jurassic World has made as quickly as it has made, you would think it was one of the best, like, rides we've had in years. And I just don't think... I mean, I think the Jurassic Park name is a big part of that. I think that the, uh, you know, the presence of Chris Pratt is a big part of that. It does it. And there's a lot of, you know, people still love dinosaurs. But thus far, this summer, I haven't seen a movie that really excited me, like, that really made me feel excited. Like... Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy did last year. I'm still waiting for that. And who knows? Maybe it'll happen this year. Maybe that's a movie that comes along every every so often. And, okay. And you shouldn't expect one the next year. But I was thinking there's really not going to be another movie like that that I could replace Jurassic World with. And so I thought, well, why not a movie that maybe op- sits opposite Jurassic World in the sense of similar subject matter, but a totally different approach. And, you know, whereas Jurassic World is driven by like state-of-the-art computer-generated imagery. I mean, there's a lot of really great dinosaurs in that that are pretty much all pixels. I think there's sure. some practical stuff, but there's not a lot. And a I was thinking, source. like, what's a movie that, that did a lot of this same stuff, but <laughs> I can't even keep a straight face. <laughs> 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 well, what's a movie that did a lot of the same stuff and achieved a lot of the same spills and thrills as Jurassic World, but did it all animatronically? Uh-huh. I'm talking about 1985's <laughs> Baby... Secret of a Lost Legend. <laughs> wow. In which Holy a... Uh, crap. <laughs> what are you doing here, John? Well, it's a film in which an American couple, again, according to Wikipedia, an American couple finds a family of surviving apatosaurs, also called brontosaurs, in Central Africa, and they struggle to protect them from a greedy scientist oh, and wow. the military. Um, I mean, I saw this movie in the theater when, when it came out. So in 1985, I saw this film. I liked it then. <laughs> I haven't seen it since then, but I noticed like everybody's got it as a $2.99 rental. And, <laughs> and I, what I love is that on the uh, on, also on the Wikipedia page, they bring this up. I think this is just an effort to link it to another thing that might make it seem more exciting to people, which is to say the oh. dinosaur effects are all animatronic since the CGI technology of the time was not sophisticated enough to convincingly portray living creatures such as dinosaurs. It would be another eight years before that hurdle was cleared in Jurassic Park. <laughs> very, very good. Right. Nice way to tie it nice in. Nice way to tie it in, as though like we can say that Baby, the Secret of a Lost Legend, paved the way for uh, Jurassic Park and for this year's biggest blockbuster, Jurassic World. Yeah. Which, I mean, again, anyone, even people that are enjoying this film have to say that this is, that this is a runaway hit. For various reasons, it's not 100 percent due to the, the like the the sterling quality. Yeah, of the it's film. not the quality. You know, it's got more to do with the. F- we were talking about it with Twister. It's a fun, yeah. fun ride. Well, I think you yeah. should see in order to make that fun ride seem even more fun. Mm. I think you should see a film that wouldn't be fun to watch. Probably, Baby Secret yeah, of a Lost. It's a different Legend. kind of fun. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. On yeah. the front of the DVD, it says a cross between Raiders of the Lost Ark and E.T. E. I believe it. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a great way of tying in other, think, other superior films. <laughs> I think that's what they thought in 1985 that they were doing is that yeah. they were like, but they were making the next big, uh, you know, Amblin type. There you go. Yeah. Blockbuster. There you go. So yeah, does this movie ring a bell with either of you guys at all? I saw it. I okay. remember the movie. I've yeah, never absolutely. seen this movie. <laughs> yep. If you look at like excerpts from it, it's one of those. I mean, I remember at the time really feeling for these uh these dinosaurs you know like when i saw it i do think it was one of those where like it gets separated from its its mother and then there's some scientists and they get the mother and they have to set the mother free and so you've got multiple animatronic dinosaurs in you know circa 1985 technology in this i imagine it would a lot of it would be very laughable but uh, who knows maybe it's got heart maybe i would watch this and actually say that the characters are 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 you know deeper than the ones in jurassic world i don't know but uh, i you know probably this would just make jurassic world seem that much better 
So, I'm, I'm maybe <laughs> so I'm maybe doing... watch it before you, you watch know, Jurassic the, the, World. The, the two or three people that haven't gone to see Jurassic World yet, watch <laughs> Baby Secret of a Lost Legend and then go see <laughs> Jurassic World. <laughs> this movie looks insane. All right. <laughs> okay, so um, the, my last pick is... Oh, ta- this is our tag team? Is our tag team. Okay, cool. This is the third movie of a... Is, is there going to be another one? Is there going to be another one know. after this? I don't know. I hope not. Um, in a uh, what I would call cinematic disaster, just the three of these movies. The three. The three. The three. Um, I have a code name for it. It's it's in Shittiest and Shittiest <laughs> Three, Secret of the Ooze. Secret of the Ooze. <laughs> <laughs> so um, th- th- this franchise holds a place in our movies movie heart because it yeah. was the focus of our first ever episode. Oh yes. man! And. Uh, I feel like this conversation went a lot of the same way where you hate on it and I did not. Yeah. But but we can agree this time that the third film is is not, I did not like it. Yeah. No, no, no. Okay, but yeah. okay. I didn't mean to cut you off, but continue. So see, see, here's how checked out I am. I thought this was due out soon, but it's already, yeah. it's already Oh, it's been out for like okay, two or three wow. weeks. Wow. Yeah. yeah. No, I've heard nothing about it. It's weird. Um, so <laughs> my healthy alternative to this movie is a movie that came out earlier this year. Beautifully shot, simple story, very engaging. It follows. Shablamo. I figure we can give it follows a little bit more love. It really is. It really, it really does stick with you for sure. It does. It sticks. It sticks with me. It's one of those movies that just. It didn't look like it was shot with a lot, like you know, a, a large budget. The the special effects that happened weren't the greatest, but the movie itself. And the rules surrounding some of the scariness were really fun. And I and I, I mean, I don't think the Insidious is the worst horror film I've ever seen, but this one didn't look okay. So I'll say this: um, the first and the second actually looked like they'd have something about them that would be appealing. The third, when I watched the trailer, nothing about it looked like something that I wanted to see at all. Yeah, like, I kind of agree. Like I, it felt... was like something about it just didn't seem. Yeah. Because I didn't love the first, but I saw the second one anyway, just because there was something kind of well yeah. made or something well shot or something, uh, you know, about those films. And I can remember actually a moment in each one that I kind of like still. Mm-hmm. But th- there was nothing in the third that mm-hmm. even made me think I'd go see it. And I'm uh, unlike you, I mean, I, I know you'll see <coughs> horror films if you're interested. Steve and I are kind of drawn to them. We'll mm-hmm. see them anyway. Right, yeah. right. And this was one where I was like, I felt while watching the trailer, I just didn't, I couldn't visualize yeah. myself going to see it. You know, I, I probably will eventually see it, but yeah. I don't know, man. It just didn't look good. So, Steve. We're... So, I anticipated that you'd probably also pick It Follows <laughs> as your alternative. So, I went... <clears throat> and this this, this like... I was remi- it was a good time because I was reminding about a specific scene in this film uh, earlier in the week when we were coming up, when we were discussing this idea. And um, it reminded me of how much I love this movie. Uh, this is a movie from 2007 produced by Guillermo del Toro called The Orphanage. Ooh, yeah. Oh, my so, man! Was that oh, your man? man. Uh, did you say my man or oh man? I said oh my Both man. Because you like Guillermo oh, too. Oh me man. Oh me man. Um, but this movie is oh, has, has another tie-in. You know, you went more like just straight up horror. This is more having to do with some sort of ghost or spirit. Yeah. Much like the further. He's, it, he's, he's like doing this wavy magical. Steve is like, he's, you know, oh, my yeah. 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 you're trying to give everybody like a picture he's, of yeah. it. He's yeah. conjuring up some, yeah, I'm pulling things down. Spirits. There's stuff in here, John. I can feel it. <laughs> he's either um, that or he's hypnotizing it. Yeah. Because he yeah. does look like, do you notice how much more handsome he looks right now? I think, I think he just hypnotized him. Because that's what he it does. is. Yeah. Piercing eyes. <laughs> so there's a scene in, um, so, okay. The, the, the tie is is that there are scenes in Insidious 1 that I feel like are truly frightening. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene in The Orphanage that may be one of the most frightening scenes of movies, probably of a horror movie, I don't know, last 10 years for me. Oh, wow. Uh, it's a scene where she's shown... Have you seen the film? I, Either of you? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm fairly certain I saw it, but I can't remember. I, it might be blending in. I saw it in, in the movies. It might be and blending some, in with the others in my mind. some reason, okay. I feel like it's related to you in some way. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Probably. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but it's a, there's a scene in the film where the... So the story is basically about this woman who moves back to this orphanage that she grew up in and to, like, refurbish it and, you know, kind of just move back there years later. And she moves in with her husband and her son and some crazy shit happens and her son goes missing. 
he starts or he sees starts seeing like an imaginary friend um who like kind of wears like a bag over his head mm. and her son eventually goes missing and it becomes like a, a story unfolds about what happened at the at the orphanage years ago around the time that she came to it mm. and um there's a scene though towards the end of the film where second end of the second third act of the film where she learns about this game that uh, one of the ghosts shows her how to play um, called Peek Behind the Curtain. Oh, and, yes, yes, you know, yes. there's a scene in that movie where that happens and um, Pops up there. it is extremely frightening. And the scene basically plays out and it's, it's the genius of the filmmaker and I'm sure Guillermo del Toro, but not to take anything away from the director of this film, J.A. Bayana. Um, like basically you're shot on her knocking on the wall and the, the the camera just keeps panning, like basically 180 degrees to the right, mm. and there's nothing there, and it pans back. She does it again. It pans back. The door opens. They pan back to her. She does it again. There's a figure in the door, you know. And each time, yeah. these children, these like ghosts of these children, more and more are in the room, and they're getting closer and closer to her. And it's just a freaking scary ass scene, and it creeps the shit out of me. And a blogger that I follow, Jeffrey Wells, on Hollywood Elsewhere, posted it earlier this week that he thinks it's like one of the scariest scenes in like the last decade. Wow. And I'd probably agree because like that's a great movie where I went with no expectations. Yeah, yeah. And I remember seeing it in the theater with my friend Lauren and both of us being genuinely scared shitless. Yeah. And uh, I would totally say if you're ever thinking about a good horror movie that maybe you've never heard of, mm. a lot of people haven't never, mainly because it's foreign and people don't know how to read when it comes to subtitles. Yeah. Um, but I can't recommend uh, The Orphanage enough. So. It's a cool-ass movie. I mean, one of the things I really liked about it on top of it just being a great movie is the, the colors. Like, I, I know I talk about colors a lot, but yeah. the muted, like, very gray muted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and brownish colors, super, yeah. super... And a devastating ending too. Yeah, yeah. The, oh my the, God. The, the 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 finality of what you actually find out happens to her son or happened to her son. Yeah. And it, it tying into the whole ghost story part of it is just. Yeah. Uh, it's a cool last. Very moment. creepy and very sad, but. Yeah. So while you guys were talking about the orphanage, I left my microphone. Yeah. Went upstairs and let in our special guest for <laughs> next next episode. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Hey. What's up? What's going on, man? People can hear that voice and just say, "Who was that? <laughs> Who was that strange man?" Well, they don't know he was strange. <laughs> what are you trying to say, John? They haven't even been introduced I, this yet. This is my passive-aggressive way of saying that I think he's kind of strange. Yeah. But anyway, we have, a, we have a special guest lined up for next time. I think we should let it be a, a surprise for now. Like, yeah, but, but let, like, just let it hang there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People all around town in the podcasting community will be talking about, who was that voice? That was a, that was a fourth like, voice. I know it was. Uh, so I just summed up, you know, the orphanage. If you yeah. haven't seen it, John, I would recommend it highly. I have to listen to this um, episode later. To yeah, hear what you'll you catch said. up. Yeah, when yeah. you're editing this, you'll actually hear what I had to say about it, <laughs> and you'll be like, maybe I will watch. It. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Uh, but either my choice or Ronald's, both are far superior um, to Insidious. Insidious three. Insidious yes. three. Toi. <laughs> Toi. Toi. Insidious Toi. Insidious, yeah. yeah. So that's, that, uh, that makes it sound a little better than it needs to sound. Yeah. Let's take, take out the French. It sounds like a porn with poop play. I think that was the principle behind Hot Shots Part Deux. Deux. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It classes it up. Well, anyway, those are, some, those are some alternatives to some summer films. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the Great Summer Swap yeah. Out of 2015. <laughs> say, it, like say, it with, say it like you mean. The Great Summer Swap Out. I don't know. What was that? <laughs> I don't know what happened. I think I there's like a ghost that. in here. I think it just took my body That's over. the same guy that was speaking through you earlier when you called Ronald Me Man. <laughs> me Man. Hey, Me Man. <laughs> what was it him that called you yeah, Me Man? I, I think he but... called Guillermo del Toro Me Man. Me yeah. Man. It's O-Man or Me Man or My Man. I think I we just combined me, them all. Me Man. I was trying to say old man, but oh. me men gave up. <laughs> me men! <laughs> I don't fault you for that. It sounded awesome. Uh, yeah, so there we go. Episode 137. Mm-hmm. Anything else that you want to throw in there? Uh, Anything special? Besides the fact that we do have a very special episode coming up in a yes. couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. With uh, number 138. We're going to be... Can we tell them what the episode's about at least? I think so. Okay. Like a little... Uh, John... Once who's again. a very he, he frequents this website uh, Metacritic, which I'm sure some people have heard of. Yes. I, I'm, I've been to there, been to there. I've been there a few times, and uh, we we came up with a, a system where basically anything that received under a thirty. Yes. So if you if you want to check out that website to get a little backstory on how they come up with these scores, it's an aggregate score. It's weighted, mm-hmm. but basically it just takes all these critics' reviews and applies a number to it and says 
a color and a number and whether the movie's worth it or not. And it's generally a more... I think you were actually the one pointing this out. It's a more subtle <coughs> like rating than you get on, on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, yeah, where yeah, it's yeah. essentially it's a binary. They, they take every review and say whether it's positive or negative, whereas sure, on sure. Metacritic, they weigh more things. So, yeah. But I thought it was interesting to look and see. I just wanted to see which films were the worst rated films on Metacritic. And yeah. then from there, I decided... Like, you know, wouldn't that be fun to actually look at those films and see which of which that fit into that bottom that bottom tier in terms of what the critical response has been? Yeah. Would you be surprised to have seen in that list or that you know, at least a movie that maybe you knew critics didn't like it, but that you actually loved? And so uh, in addition to a lot of stuff that I don't think anyone's ever heard of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that the key is, is that like the weight of a movie schmovie review of these movies right. immediately will bring them out of the 30 and right. under and they will immediately go. To like at least seventy. Yeah. I like I the think. way you think. Yeah. yeah, I'm very optimistic about That's, how this is going to be received. Yes. <laughs> we we understand the gravity of this show. Yes, yeah. it really. So anyway, that'll be next time. Us. We're calling it Critics Schmidics, and basically it's going to be us looking at some of the the most hated by critics films. What is that? Was that... <laughs> Hold on, that wasn't a sentence. You're good with uh, words. That wasn't a sentence. Yeah, I know. You're good with words. Uh, I'm, saving all my, I'm, sa- I'm saving all my words. I did have a neurological. I see early signs of yeah. this stroke coming yeah. on earlier when he yeah. couldn't speak. I thought yeah. something was happening. Something's going on with me. Something's really wrong. One day this won't be funny. One day soon. Today's not that day, <laughs> One day though. Soon, this let's won't let's seem laugh funny. while right. we can. Yeah, yeah. But we're going to be looking at the films that were that were the worst reviewed. <laughs> that still doesn't sound like the sentence I want to say. Some of the lowest. <laughs> of the these lowest. films weren't popular with critics. They either. do not like these movies. No, critics, critics no like. They no likey. Critics no like critics these films. Don't like yeah. we like these films. <laughs> that next that, episode. Yeah. Oh man, it's gonna be fun. It's good that we're going right into this after this episode, so yeah. we can just carry this over. Yeah. Especially uh, because our, our guest has now seen the, how low the stakes are. Yeah. <laughs> like He's going to immediately elevate this podcast. Yeah, so I can yeah. already how feel can it. He, how can he help? <clears throat> so, <laughs> <laughs> so that's episode 138 coming out in a couple weeks, but this was episode 137. Thank you guys for listening. And mm-hmm. as always, you made us gay. Yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I don't know why I find that so funny. 